Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey and welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast an adulting advice podcast production i'm danny sheriff and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track let's dive in And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. This episode's sponsor is Green Chef, and I'm pumped to tell you why we chose Green Chef and how they're a great option if you're trying to recover from HA and you're wondering, what do I eat? So Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal kit company, and they make eating well super easy and it's affordable with plans that fit every lifestyle, including you guys. Just hear me out here. The reason we reached out to Green Chef to see if they would work with us is because two of the most common hangups or concerns that I get from women when they're trying to ensure that they're eating enough during this time is, 
I don't really enjoy or even know how to cook and tend to eat only the same few things over and over again and concern that eating enough food in the day just is challenging. And one of the big reasons that I really wanted to go with Green Chef is because it's one thing for you to go and get all of your meals from McDonald's to ensure that you're hitting your calories, but as a community, we really don't talk enough about the quality and nutrient density of our food while we're trying to get our periods back. So I have been using the meal prep kits and I would actually consider myself someone who does know how to cook. But as I was using these, I thought, yeah, this is exactly what my girls who say they can't cook need. Because here's the thing, each recipe comes fully kitted out with the exact ingredients that you need with super simple recipes to follow like trust me usually if something has a recipe and it's like more than three steps i cannot be bothered because i know it's just more work to follow and i rather go by cook by vibe but these ones are more like five to six simple steps because so much of it's already done for you and it occurred to me that if you think that you don't know how to cook this is actually exactly where you should start. I learned to cook, and the best of the best will tell you the same thing, that you learn to cook by starting with simple and basic things, following basic instructions by someone who knows what they're doing. You're not just born knowing how to cook, you have to try. So, you'll experience this with Green Chef. You'll walk away being like, oh, okay, I now know how to oven roast some chicken or how to cook shrimp properly. Like you will learn some skills with these kits at the same time. And I am sure you'll learn everything from some cooking methods to like ideas for pairing ingredients. So it's super valuable for you girls who are turned off about cooking new types of meals. And when it comes to the concern of how do I know I'm eating enough? And that's something that Green Chef is great for. They send you a full balanced meal and it always has a healthy serve of protein, carbs, and fat that I love. <laughs> I love that there's always some kind of tasty sauce that I would never really think to add for myself. It's fun. It's funner than cooking for yourself sometimes. So another thing I really like is that you get the exact amount of food that you need, which I mentioned before, but this is about waste reduction right now. Side note, I am obsessed with zero waste when it comes to food. I love to compost and I try my very best to never throw anything out. So if you're a food waster, Green Chef is for you. Also, over the years, I've gotten meals from various meal prep companies and the packaging is always insane. Cardboard boxes inside of cardboard boxes with ice packs and plastic wrap. Yes, Green Jeff does have some packaging, but I love how it all comes with ins recycling instructions. And some of the packaging, they even supply return instructions. That's a huge win for me. And when the food arrived, it wasn't in copious amounts of plastic, foam, and cardboard. They really use the minimum amount needed to ship, which is awesome. Okay, coming back really quick to the nutrition conversation here. This is one of the main reasons I wanted Green Chef to sponsor the show. You do not need to only eat fast food and junk to get your period back. And those of us are like, those of us that believe in this will die on this hill <laughs> so many of us are not getting the variety and joy from our food that we need we're just eating whatever and that's also why we're in this situation 
Yes, you can get your period back by eating a surplus of calories, but don't you also want to feel good? So, look, I love a good Whataburger as much as the next girl, but you have to get those veggies. You have to get those whole foods and quality proteins. That is why I'm pumped to offer this potential solution for you. So, they also have vegan and vegetarian recipes. I know many of you are determined to stick with your plant-based. All good. All good with me. And that also includes recipes for paleo and keto, which means, honestly, it just means like if you you get to switch it up every single week. Because I know what you're thinking. Keto for hypothalamic amenorrhea? Uh, No, and I would agree. But I did get the keto box and I added a side of rice to the Boom Boom shrimp bowl and rice also to the creamy lemon chicken and like a burger bun to the pork patties and voila, like it's so easy to just add something to any of them. So you you don't even have to worry about that. If those things aren't important to you, you can get just whatever sounds good. So if Green Chef sounds like exactly what you need, go to greenchef.com forward slash 90HAP and use 90HAP at the checkout for free delivery, free shipping. You can save tons of money on food, tons of time in the kitchen, and tons of stress. So enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, the hardest podcast on the internet to say. I'm excited because I have some guests today that are really going to um, probably answer some questions I've always had, probably open up my perspective on some new areas that some of you guys listening are more connected with that I'm less connected with. And it's kind of the dance world. And HA is rampant in the dance community, potentially more than any other athletic community around, potentially. I don't really know. Um, but I know that many of you guys listening have a history in performance, of performance arts. Personally, I am not a dancer. There was a brief stint there. My mom tried. I quickly realized, like, as soon as I found out there was no concert soon and you had to rehearse all year for one concert, I was out. It's like, I need to be on stage now or this is not happening. So I quit promptly, but um, I'm still, I've still always been really curious about it. I've kind of regretted that decision to be honest with you. Um, I would love to be a ballet dancer, like obsessed with Misty Copeland. Um, but that is why I am excited for today's guests. I have Steph, oh, and I really should have checked before I brought them on to pronounce their last name. So I'll let them correct me live on air. But we have Nikki K or Key, K, Nikki Key. <laughs> cool. And Stephanie Potrek. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Good. I usually do pretty good at that. So welcome, Stephanie and Nikki. How are you? Uh, Hey, Danny, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, we're good. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, on this show, I chat with registered dietitians, nutritionists, functional NTPs, all kinds of coaches and people in the health space to help women listening get an idea of like their next direction or at least just gain some awesome insights from people to help them on their own personal journey. So, I can see that you two do a lot in the education space, kind of supporting women in the dance world, but would you do me a huge favor and break down more specifically to the audience, like who you guys are, exactly what you 
do and like what brings you to my show? Shall I go? Um, so uh, I'm Nikki uh, and like Steph, um, I'm a medical doctor uh, and also like Steph, I'm passionate about dancing myself. Um, always danced from a young age um, and continued right up till now being very old, <laughs> including uh, two hip replacements. But um, wow. my rationale, so that's why I'm particularly interested in dancers. I have to admit it's my personal passionate interest as well. Um, but I also work with athletes and uh, the downside of being a dancer is that, as you said in the introduction, you do have to train, rehearse, perform uh, a lot, uh, which is great, but uh, sometimes it can take its toll in the sense that things can become unbalanced in terms of amount of exercise you have to do and in terms of uh, nutritional intake. And if there's an imbalance there, then as you said, there can be hormone issues. So that's what uh, I'm interested, well, I try and help support dancers, but both clinically, Steph and I both see dancers in the clinical context um, who have run into troubles. And also Steph and I are involved in research uh, surrounding dancers and Steph and I are super excited. Today we got published um, a study with dancers. So, uh, which does reveal that there is, we're not making this up, that there is an issue. Oh. Uh, and that therefore, as you said, the, the important thing for any issue is education and prevention is what we're aiming for, uh, rather than having to deal with, you know, the problems that occur as a result of that. So anyway, um, Steph, do you want to uh, tell everyone about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you said quite a bit already. Um, so a couple of years ago, I thought, so first I, I was in medicine and I actually wasn't doing dance science or dance medicine. So I kind of took a bit of a break because during my full-time training, when I wanted to become a professional, I fractured a vertebra and um, very probably likely to some sort of mix of um, not the best training and not the best nutrition. And um, well, the dancers I was seeing then very much later, um, so a couple of years ago, um, I thought like, mm, okay, we've got their physical health, but actually the nutrition isn't covered very well. And kind of, you know, there's this link between um, nutritional intake, physical health, mental health. And I thought, mm, I, I want to look, I want to look into that. And I want to, I want to be, like, yeah, the best practitioner I can be, actually. So I added sports nutrition to this. And um, while Nikki works a lot of, on um, physical and mental health, I do work a lot on nutrition. And so it kind of, I think we complement each other quite well. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and I would, so I, I think it's really cool that you guys are doctors in the dance space. It's just like the perfect mix. Um, both doctors, right? Right. Yeah. Right, amazing. But we're slightly different medical doctors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, there are da doctors that are working with dancers, but, and this applies to sports medicine in general. Um, the traditional route has been actually, uh, you know, that of dealing with injuries, you know? Mm. So, um, dealing with the athlete that, uh, you know, pulls a muscle, breaks a bone, and the same for dancers. To date, the, the, the emphasis has more been on fixing injuries, frankly. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, but I think Steph How and preventative. I are, exactly. Steph mm. and I are more uh, in, well, that's my view anyway. And I think Steph will agree that I'm more of the, the mindset that actually, why did that injury happen in the, in the first place? I mean, actually, of course, injuries happen, accidents happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, we cannot prevent all injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, things happen, accidents, you slip, you fall, whatever. But if there is anything we can do to prevent that happening, which would come from, for example, underfueling, hormones not working correctly, then actually going back a step and trying to fix that problem at the outset and identifying those at risk, which was the point of our recent study, um, to see, you know, what, why are we uh, seeing dancers with hormone issues, uh, particularly uh, functional hypothalamic amenorrhea in the females, of mm. course, you know, actually, shouldn't we be doing going a step back and seeing what's going on there and trying to, to look into preventative measures? I think that's really, uh, that's why we're different, isn't it, Steph? <laughs> right. Early, we are all about early intervention. Yeah, so, yeah. Just to add to this, um, I mean, this study was not published in 2020, but when we look 40 years back, mm. it was already quite clear that mm -hmm. there are these hormonal issues in um, female elite ballet dancers um, or ballet students even. So it was, it was quite clear. And I mean, 40 years, that is just the span of my life. And is that okay that nothing's changed? Well, not really. So we need to raise more awareness. We need to say it once more for the people in the back and a bit louder, a bit, a little bit louder. And, you know, this is this is what we've got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to hear more about this study. It sounds like you guys looked into, you know, more about the root cause of why there's so many injuries in dancers. That's really fascinating for all sports. Right. Because I've definitely been learning more and more about how um how people perceive injury and a lot of people perceive it as something that is irrelevant to like the fact that you're uh, you're tired or you're underfueled and they're kind of these like two separate events that happen and being tired is just being tired and that does, has no correlation to like weaker bones or just less concentration more likely to make clumsy mistakes things like that that's really fascinating I'd love to know more about the study itself and what you guys found. Well, you make a very good point there that um, uh, not only is it a physical uh, consequence of underfueling that your periods might stop or become irregular, mm -hmm. but um, you know, it's not just that the periods stop and some people even view that that's convenient, but mm -hmm. it's, as you say, it's the consequences of that the poor bone health, the concentration. I think you make a very good point there that, um, you know, we know from research that uh, having, being amenorrheic means you're less likely to, your reaction time is slowed, your balance is impaired. And by the way, you'll have weak bones. You're trying to balance on point as a dancer. You can see this is not a recipe for a good outcome. So, um, so yes, but finding out why that happened in the first place and making the dancers, as you say, and athletes aware that that is going to set them up literally for a fall, uh, uh, that's, that's important. So the point of our study uh, that Steph and I um, initiated, uh, it was a online questionnaire and we distributed it worldwide. So we had a good mixture of responses from Australia, Europe, um, a few from America. 
And it was really to try and delve into, like you say, the underlying features. What are the drivers, specifically the psychological drivers that might be uh, going along with this pattern of uh, low energy availability? Um, and part of it is that dancers' lives, like we discussed, it's, they're very full and it's physically difficult. It's physically difficult, and Steph will, I'm sure, back me up on this. Uh, you know, it's physically difficult. How are you going to eat <laughs> or eat, uh, you know, at times when all day you're in the studio? Then you've got to squeeze into a very tight fitting costume for the performance in the evening. And then by the time it's the end of the performance in your home, it's 11 o'clock at night. So actually, there are, you know, issues with the how are you actually going to do this, but also, of course, we know, and that was really the uh, the big sort of uh, significant finding in the study. It's actually the, those dancers that are tempted or have been frankly um, encouraged to restrict their intake. Um, that is concerning. Um, and we can't just say, oh, well, it's a practical issue. Uh, there were definite, really, really strong uh, psychological connections between feeling into control of what they were eating and what they were weighing um, to, uh, you know, their self-esteem and actually even their physical consequences, which was fascinating. Those ones that were anxious about all these factors also were the dancers that were more likely to have problems with their periods or their periods stop. So it's absolutely fascinating. Starting off, yeah. uh, I'm actually an, uh, an endocrinologist about hormones. So I always thought, ah, oh, psychology, whatever. But of course, now it's, it, it's kind of obvious that hormones are important in your mood and your cognition. So obviously, of course, there's a connection. But how strong that connection was, I think, I think that surprised uh, both of us, Steph, didn't it? Do you want to comment about what you thought the standout things were from our study? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I think, well, somehow maybe we set it all up and went into it with the idea of, okay, it's not going to be great. So there's not going to be progress like we, we maybe wish for. Um, but then when the results came in, we were like, out that's actually like 40 years ago so um, I mean that was that was literally physically a bit painful um, and um, I mean it's really a good it, it's really good to have a basis to say look it's not that we are making up these stories that dancers are being told to cut out foods and usually it's carbohydrates um, this really happens and the um well, the overwhelming majority said they had either been told to lose weight at some point in their career, so that could be pre-professional training or as a professional dancer, um, or at least they have been told to cut out foods. And this, uh, I mean, it, it affected males more, uh, females more than it affected uh, male dancers, but nevertheless, it's a thing. And that was really important for us yeah, kind of to prove our point and say, look, um, this is definitely one part where we need a lot of change. It's it's not okay that when someone is when someone's profession is to teach dance, then you don't teach nutrition because I mean I certainly guess they wouldn't want us to teach them some ballet moves while they are actually in a nutrition session, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a it's a big problem. Um, probably stems from decades of non-regulation in the industry i guess mm. yeah and it's also interesting you said like, all these women have been told to lose weight at some point or another but also even if they haven't been told 
if everyone else is doing it, you're, that's where you're going to get your information from as well. So like, it's really probably at a point where they don't even need to be told to lose weight. It's just automatic. That's what the other girls are doing. That's what they're saying they're doing to get to the next level. And if you want to be at the next level, and if you want to be prima or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're going to want to do what, what the best to do. And and you're absolutely right though. You make a very important point that we know from the uh, REDS model, relative energy efficiency in sport. Uh, I mean, I know it's called sport, but we've just proved that it's dance as well, by the way. But mm. anyway, um, there is a reversible arrow for psychological, right? So those people that are more likely to develop reds, relative energy deficiency in sport and all the clinical consequences we discussed about the injuries and uh, the poor balance and bad, you know, poor mood, etc. Um, those are people, by the way, who uh, are driven, focused, determined. Right. That's why they are in dance training or that's why they are doing, uh, you know, sports training and they want to be a professional athlete because they are of that personality type. And by the way, in life, we're not giving every, you know, it's great to have objectives in life. Of course, that's really important. But on the other hand, the the thing is that if you're if if that's your personality type, then you you're more likely to sort of misdirect that, as it were. Right, so you're more likely to misdirect that into uh, wanting to control what you're eating, control what you're looking like, control what you're weighing. So you're absolutely right that uh, I have to say that yes, that probably things should be done better uh, from the educational point of view for the teachers and the coaches of the athletes. Yes, um, of course, as you say, external is important to you know bring everyone up to speed there, but also it is the internal. A driver in that person is going to predispose them to maybe for follow that course and then once you're in that pit, uh, position of being in low energy availability like you said you just can't actually think that's right <laughs> so now you could you're going to make actually very poor decisions and you're convincing yourself that all the time that you are doing the right thing and so it becomes a real real vicious circle um uh, and we're talking about dancers but i think that lots of people listening will you know, this will all sound familiar, <laughs> you know, uh, in the type of personality you are, whether you're a dancer or an athlete or not. So, um, you know, it's important to say that there's a lot we can learn uh, from, 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 from the, you know, our study and the dancers as, as well that's applicable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we, we just said it in our webinar last weekend um, that we really should think of um, in eating disorder recovery. There is a certain weight or BMI where they will not have psychotherapy because they will need to restore some weight and some capacity to like think like clearly first before they actually have access to psychotherapy just because the brain's really dysfunctional for a while. The brain literally shrinks, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and all the, the, the neurotransmitters, the hormones aren't there. So it is very difficult to, to make those, those clear uh, decisions. Um, so yeah, it's. I think the. I think the point of we're trying to make is it's. It's not just about oh, have you got periods? Yes, no. It's actually the implications of that. The having a period is just a, an external sign that actually inside your hormones are fine. Uh, and if if you're not having a period, uh, which all women should do, it's normal physiology from the age of whatever twelve to fifty one or whatever it is. Um, you know, if the periods stop. Uh, it's actually a, it's a big warning sign 
I call the, I've got this new phrase I'm using, I'm calling periods uh, the barometer of healthy hormones because they're okay. just like an external sign for women. And actually, you know, in that sense, we should be quite pleased. It's like, that's a very clear indicator, you know, and if those stop, then actually that's a big, big warning sign that something inside your body is not happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like this, a wonderful unbiased communication of where our body's at that you can't really argue with. So exactly. It's an objective yeah. measure. We don't even need to do a blood test. It's just like, there you go, periods, yes, no. No one can argue and say, oh, well, it's because I'm this or, or that and whatever, uh, or because I'm a dancer, which actually Steph and I both get quite annoyed about, <laughs> to put it mildly. Even it's okay, I'm, I'm a dancer. <laughs> fellow doctors are saying, oh, well, you're a dancer, that's yes. normal for no period. It's like- You are so fit. You are so fit. And this is like, very whoa. common. Almost every woman listening has had a job like including myself and even from female Mm -hmm. to another female it's like that's really weird uh you know what were we taught at medical school or what's common sense what were you taught it can you put i don't want to get you but you know what i mean it's like it's it's just like not you don't even have to have a medical degree to know that periods are normal you know what i mean it's been found millions of years of evolution that's what happens for and it's not by the way just about fertility Hmm. that's yes yeah. yeah, sure by far not by far not we have but to i be, guess of course we know that of course it is connect of course it's to do with fertility but it's like the often the next question that the person gets asked is oh well do you want to become pregnant and if the person answers no then it's like well then what's your problem it's like well it's because my physiology physiology because i have a medical condition actually i have my something wrong with my physiology thanks very much and that's what the 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 problem is but uh i think going back to this thing about normal um you know saying oh well it's normal for athletes dancers women not to have periods i don't know where this new normal has come from i mean just because now we have an increase oh no she'll be back epidemic yeah. and lots of more type 2 diabetics and now we we wouldn't turn around and say oh that's now normal that everyone's overweight so why would we do the same for uh amenorrhea makes no sense to me but anyway i think that probably no uh, i mean nikki nikki just to just to add to this why why would we make this normal i mean um we've had findings of eight percent of primary amenorrhea in our study when one uh, no, 0.01 is normal for the general population and secondary amenorrhea, which was even more um, frequent, we had 33% when in the general population, it should be around 4% only. So, I mean, there's not much to no, argue no, listen, about. It, exactly. yeah. nothing, we can't even use that argument that it's normal <laughs> because, it, yeah. because it's ultimately, you know, uh, women, women are women, uh, whether you're a dancer, an athlete or an exerciser or not an exerciser you know we're all <laughs> we're all the same in that sense so of course there should never be this thing about it being oh well that's normal because you're in a certain population so yeah i think that was really um the striking thing and also actually in the, to be fair in the study um you know the majority of dancers did recognize and accept and say yes we know that um there are disadvantages to not having periods aside from pregnancy you know we, they but the thing is even if you know that logically 
um, if you're being sort of surrounded, like you say, uh, by other people telling you that it is normal, and even some doctors telling you it's normal, you of course start to question yourself. You think, well, oh, maybe maybe I'm making a fuss about nothing or something. Uh, yeah, so actually, why why do these guys, you know, like why do they post on Instagram all the time and say, well, you need to have your period as a dancer? So why are they saying this if my JP says, yes, exactly. I'm totally fine. Misinformation. I mean, yes, we have to bl blame. I mean, there is some. There is definitely misinformation in the sense of. Um, you know, uh, non-medical information out there uh, about various things. And yeah, uh, you know, social media did have an impact from our study. Dancers did report that that was an influence mm. in them feeling obliged or under extra pressure to need to lose weight or whatever. But uh, equally, it's very confusing if, uh, you know, a healthcare professional uh, just says, oh, well, does not to worry. And then you do second guess yourself and think well maybe maybe i you know i maybe that's true and yes what are these people what are these uh, these other doctors saying uh stephanie saying it's so important it's like well now now it makes it a confusing situation even more confusing doesn't it the the second guessing and the confusion is actually i think kind of just like the biggest part of the problem because really this whole situation is quite straightforward yeah you're you're over like too much energy is being put out not enough is coming in and you need to have your period we all know you know the basic fundamentals behind fixing it but i see so often you know women know they're on this journey they're actively working to get their period back and also the second they do it's not necessarily all happy they're happy for that split second because they work so hard but also there's these stories in their head of like I got my period back. So this means I have been doing less. I have gained weight. And these, these uh, scary things, they don't go away. So uh, that's what I'm a huge proponent of. And what I love about the first thing you brought up about your study of like, it's really so much about the psychological and the mental side of things. And you can't expect to get your period back forever, basically, um, if you don't address the thing, the, the mm -hmm. feelings and the thoughts in your head that are causing the behaviors to happen. And what I loved about the study that you guys explained was it wasn't just this, uh, I suppose, me just like stereotyping again about researchers and science and stuff, but like finding, you know, where it's happening. Oh, X, X percent of women who don't have their period experience this and like leave it at that but no it's they don't have their period um and the root cause of that is mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. and that's so important and that's really cool to hear and see people mm -hmm. spreading the word of and also i think that also brings up the thing about um you know uh the i'm almost hesitant to use the word recovery because if that psychological driver in your head of course we know at the extreme we're talking about a, a you know a diagnosed eating disorder but even disordered eating well i said i mean that still can be quite psycho you know these psychological drivers um you know you do have to it's not just a case of you know eat this and then your periods come back and then that's the end of the story um it's also about you know what caused it in the first place and therefore what steps do you need to put in place to prevent it recurring 
I mean, this is not so much from the study, although it was obvious that there were very strong drivers there in the first place. So they're not suddenly going to manage magically disappear overnight. But I think certainly Steph and I are seeing in the clinical context. Um, yes, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward, really. It's just like eat some more and do less and there you go. But we all know it's not that simple mm -hmm. because first of all, you've actually got to do that. So it's a behavioral mm -hmm. change you've got to make. So first of all, you've got to persuade or, you know, work out how you're going to do that. Um, and then once you have succeeded, like you say, hopefully, whenever that is, sometimes can be a long time. So I spend a lot of my time trying to encourage people not to give up and to continue and that this is not a quick fix. There is no such quick thing as a quick fix in life. You don't, you know, eat a bit more, do a bit less, and then the next day your period comes. It can be a slow process, but also the, the you know, keeping in that place afterwards. And I think that's a key, key point. If you haven't addressed why you ended up there in the first place, then you're just going to end back there again. And also the other thing I say, uh, I'll let Steph give her opinion on this, but for me, I always say to the person, the dancer, the athlete, um, I'm not trying to change you. You are who you are. Your character is how it is. It's not possible in any way. Why would I want to change that? Because that would change who you are. But it's actually being honest almost with yourself or looking, replying to that voice in your head that says, oh, well, I just saw that Instagram post saying whatever, you know, it's or, or that voice saying, oh, you don't deserve that or whatever it is. Actually, how are you going to, how are you personally going to deal with that? Because you're not going to have, I'm not policeman, I always say. I'm not to my, you know, my dancers. It's like, I'm not policeman. I'm not going, going to come up and check that you have eaten that banana I advised you to do or whatever. But actually, you know, you've kind of got to, try and uh, overcome that yourself and that actually sometimes is the hardest mm -hmm. bit well, do you agree with that Steph? I totally agree with that um I would just add to that like in especially in 2020 I would say I saw a lot of what I would call the other extreme so they would have like um, cognitive behavioral therapy but low energy availability wouldn't be addressed. And that is also a problem because if you're being told all the time, that is because of your perfectionism and that is, you know, like you're feeling uh, kind of depressive because you are having perfectionistic traits and this is how you're like, you approach the world. And it's like, okay, it's fine. That's part of the problem. Um, but actually, as long as low energy availability and how to recover from low energy availability and regaining your period is not addressed, how is this psychological intervention actually going to be successful? Mm -hmm. So it's combined. It has to be a combined approach, doesn't it? Is, is, Absolutely. Is, we need a team. Uh, you need uh, you need to. Yes. Uh, uh, let's be frank. You do need to have to look at how, how much, you know, is the person eating enough carbohydrates ultimately? But also you have to look at the what's this what's the psychology, what are the drivers behind why they were avoiding them in the first place. And if you don't address that in combination, then they're just going to end up in the same place. And unfortunately, that's often what happens in certainly in eating disorders. Um, you know, the, the emphasis is very much on the physical, like get them to eat a lot, get them up to a certain weight, and then now they're cured, <laughs> whatever that means, or, or mm -hmm. recovered or, or finished. And then the number of people I've had, dancers and athletes coming coming to me because surprise, surprised, they've gone back to that same place. Yeah. They said, yeah, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. I was hospitalized. I gained the weight required. I went out and guess what? 
I just lost it all again. And now I'm back to square one, but no one had ever thought yeah. about why that was in the first place. So it has to be um, the combined. Uh, yes, and absolutely, absolutely. And I, I just had like a flashback. Um, you're talking <laughs> about like, you know, they go back into this environment and then yeah exactly um, yeah so you put them back in the yeah 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 exactly and i mean what do you do in an environment where when you are in recovery the one you are dependent on so be that um, your school director or your company director what do you do you are back in recovery you've maybe gained a couple of pounds and then it's going to be like whoa i see all that fat on your stomach and it's like and we're going to the back work. row yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really. Oh, right. not at all. Not at all. If you want to dance mm. on stage, if you want to dance oh your gosh. solo on stage, no way. Mm. Yeah. So um, that's quite. an impossible situation. Quite. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing about the education. Um, I mean, of course, I think, of course, for the dancers, but actually, hopefully, the people that are maybe giving out these mixed messages. But we don't want to make this all doom and gloom, by the way. <laughs> Because there are some, there are some, uh, you know, some uh, companies where yeah. you know, they are doing a good thing. I mean, I'm fortunate that I'm, uh, you know, a medical advisor to Scottish Ballet, for example. Mm. And the artistic director is one of the most, I don't know, he's just a very nice chap. Um, that he, he's been a professional dancer himself. And he is very much for, he's all going back to, you know, why are you a dancer? Uh, you want to express yourself, you want to give the audience something to think about, something to something, you know, a story or whatever it is, an emotion, something. He's, you know, um, so looking at actually just peeling it back, what is dancing? Dancing isn't, uh, isn't just some, I mean, there are some people who look very much like a dancer you, that you might just see in the street. It's like, you know, oh, like they look this way, oh wow. But actually, you put them on stage and they're hopeless <laughs> you know yeah. even if they even if they have the perfect body whatever that mm -hmm. is there's more to dance than just what you look like it's actually your expression your musicality you know your your um picking up the steps quickly all these other sorts of things and so some there are some companies like the scottish valley where actually they are t you know this is what dancing is and they take the, the their dancer health very Seriously, which is probably why, because not many <laughs> companies would want me because I'm quite like, you know, uh, no, 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 you can't be saying that. No, no. So yeah, the fact yeah. that they want me to be there to support the dancer help, uh, health and, uh, you know, uh, uh, in that way, that is in itself a great sign. So we don't want to make it all doom and gloom. And certainly there are some companies like that yeah. and I think Australia are yes of course yes shout out for ballet. oh really we're crushing it nice yeah no no it's it's really true so Aus ballet has certainly been extremely progressive over the past 20 years I'd say so ever since Sue Mays became um part of the team and now later um head of the medical team um but also Queensland Ballet I I'd say is really trying very hard to reach a very similar standard. And so um, it was so nice today to get an email and say, wow, we saw your publications been um, 
um, released um, and um, congrats and this is really great and we we just we need to know more about this and we're implementing it into our teaching and Amazing. so wow well, yeah this is really yeah, so there are definitely yeah. ways and after all that's the whole rationale wasn't it Steph why we did this study Steph and I met by the way at a dance conference a couple of years yeah. back <laughs> we were to each other and we were sort of all nodding we were nodding exactly the same thing do you remember and we were looking at each other it's like wow we <laughs> And it's like, let's do a study. Anyway, so, but the reason for doing the study was number one, obviously we, we shared uh, common interests and passions, but also for the sake of the dancers, the dancers that are not so fortunate and are in these companies or dance schools where, uh, frankly, they, yeah, uh, you know, not such good healthy practices are occurring. And, you know, the dancers are, were kind of asking us, we are giving them a voice those dancers that aren't in such progressive or, or uh, taking health seriously companies, uh, that's why we did it, uh, the, the study, to raise awareness and say, look, actually, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's some work to be done, shall we say. Um, <laughs> so that, that's what we're trying to, to, to do. And, you know, all those dancers that replied to the, to the questionnaire, we're very grateful to them. We made sure it was anonymous because we knew that this, we didn't want to end this being a, a blame game and, and whatever, but it just did make the point that look, here are the facts, so we can't um, escape these anymore. And it's great to see that there are companies who are supporting you know, this type of work and, and being open about it and, and being progressive and hopefully the others will catch up, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, sorry, Danny, you no. go. I was just gonna agree. I was like, yeah, the being progressive is like literally they're the ones moving forward and people are going to want to start seeing more diversity. Like they're, it's going to be hard for them to continue this long-term. Yeah. And exactly because the companies, if you look at the companies that are looking after health, they're actually, they're not like, they will be the better companies that will still be there, you know, whereas the other ones that aren't, looking after the dancers so well, those dancers' careers are going to be very short. Mm. So it's not, we can't use the argument, oh, but this is the, you have to do it the old fashioned way because that's the, that's the only way to make a good company. It's like, no, that's not, that's not, we can't even use that argument anyway. And we can't be asking the dancers to do new things. If we look back, you said, Steph, that things haven't changed over 40 years, but I'll tell you what has changed the standard of dance and what the dancer is being asked Absolutely. to do. So actually, not only has the health aspect stayed static, but yet the demands have gone up. So it's just like even more out of balance than it was. So, yeah. you know, there's no, there's no, no rationale, is there really? Absolutely not. And interestingly enough, I remember that when we, when the, when the questionnaire went online, um, we, we ourselves approached a couple of companies and said, do you think you could forward this to your dancers so that they could be part of this? And they would be like, oh, no, thank you. Exactly. Like, you know, straight from the beginning, it was like, no, we don't want to have to do anything no, with Or that. we haven't got that problem here. Thank you very much. Or that, yeah. Or, or, or whatever it was. It's like, oh, they didn't want to uh, their dancers to be divulging <laughs> what was going on. So, um, yes, and unfortunately, that is the attitude of some of those uh less forward-looking uh companies but hopefully as we say the whole point of this is to 
to, to change, move with the times, make improvements. Otherwise, you know, we'll just be stuck in terms of everything, not just this. Otherwise, we just keep doing the same things that we did do yeah. 40 years ago. And, you know, <laughs> so now we have to throw away all the mobile phones and computers. It's like, ah, hmm, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> yeah. And I would like, I'd love to hear about some um, areas that you're seeing opportunity here. Like, the, and the thing that comes to my mind from my background, working corporate teams, building companies is like, when you want to create change in something that you know that like the people at the top are going to push back against in some ways, it's like all about what's in it for them, you know? And like they just don't, unfortunately, they just don't care about their dancers' health and career longevity uh, till, until they understand the benefit there, right? And I'm sure like financially there's benefits to not having a high turnover of dancers, but yeah. also like you were saying before, they're being asked to do more. When you have healthy, stronger, more um, creative, higher functioning dancers, they're going to be performing moves you ain't never seen before. They're going to actually be able to just like come up with amazing choreography. They're going to like perform at the standard that you're asking them to. Um, This is what is in it for them. This is what is in it for the company. Absolutely. And if we're, if we're being absolutely hard nosed about it, finance, I mean, uh, Steph will give the example of the company where they actually had to cancel performances because yes. they had dancers. There you go. They yeah. had to. It's two. It's two years ago now. They had too many injuries in the cast, and they had to cancel a performance. And I mean, that is bad enough. Um, mm. But they made it actually public on Instagram, or probably on all socials. I saw it on Instagram, and the public was just like, "Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's it." And I, I was like there could be a public outrage that would actually be really helpful. Well, the public just don't know. Like they're not making the connection. I don't think. That's that's true. They're probably that's just true. not they understanding. Don't... If yeah. every footballer on a football team was yeah, exactly, you we would be like, oh, what are you doing in training? You're not, you don't know what you're doing right. <laughs> right. But, Why can't you field a, a team of footballers? Because they're all injured. It's like, well, that doesn't sound very good. No. Yeah, <laughs> you'd blame them. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like if, if everyone in your company, like a corporate company yeah, called in sick, oh, we all need sabbaticals because we're all dying. We've been worked to the bone here. Like we're exhausted. That's, that's on the company. Yeah. You know, yes. And, and you mean, inter- interestingly enough, I was invited to talk to the director a couple of weeks later. So the one of this uh, uh, company where performances had to be canceled. And for me, it was, it was, it was an impossible task. It was really an impossible task because everything I got to hear during the whole hour that I was sat in his office, that was, it's all the dancers. They are too lazy. They are not doing the conditioning work they yeah. need to do. Okay. It's Okay, you know, actually, you don't need me. You, you need someone to help you with communication. You don't need me. <laughs> Quite. Yeah. The common denominator is... Yeah where everyone works because like this isn't happening at you know these examples of dance companies that are doing a really great job so I suppose the longer that's happening as well like these other companies are proving the concept (laughs) this new fancy concept yeah (laughs) or being healthy (laughs) realizing that actually health is worth something (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. cool part of me wants to be like all right so if there's any really young dancers listening like you know, be the one that turns your nose up to like that pressure 
because you know you want to dance for a really long time and you know what you need to do to do that. It's the, it's the longevity. Um, and it's not even, even if you don't want to follow, uh, you know, a career in dance, if you want to, you know, like I did, get to a decent high amateur level or frankly, just enjoy it or enjoy anything. Um, you know, you, you can only do that, reach your full potential if you are healthy. I know it kind of sounds obvious, but if you just look at it in that context, uh, you can never reach your full, full potential for anything. Uh, and especially dancing where you are, of course, using your body a lot, if you're not fundamentally healthy. So, and, you know, uh, knowing your own body and knowing what you personally need. So, you know, just because, you know, someone next door or someone sitting next to you, isn't eating carbohydrates that doesn't mean that that's you know now universally true for everybody has got to follow that one person doing that you know um so i think it's it is it is it is challenging if as you say if you're surrounded by people doing that you think you you believe that is normal or that is the right thing to do for you but i think it's also like you say just being strong without being too <laughs> uh, rude or obnoxious about it. But yeah, being, uh, you know, being certain and informing yourself and educating yourself and standing up for what you need, you know, your body needs. I think that's really, really important because it's your body after all at the end of the day, um, not anyone else's. So you kind of have to take responsibility for it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once they've gone to this point where they know, I mean, knowledge is empowering, we all know yeah. this. So, you know, the more you know, um, the more often you will be in class and be like, just brush off a comment um, yeah. that your teacher might because you'll be like, oh, goodness. You know, like she's talking again about not eating dinner or not eating carbs for dinner yeah, yeah. or whatever. And then you would just go home and say, okay, come on. I know, yeah. I know human biology. I know why I need to eat this. This is the one thing. But the other thing is also, um, particularly for, for professional dancers, this gives you so much peace of mind so you can actually really focus on your artistry, which is, well, that is what, what you want to do and what the audiences want to see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Not obsessing about the food or, or whatever. It's actually, what about the dancing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And something that I like to talk about on the show a lot for everyone in every sport or even just walking out there in the world, I like to talk about this a lot, where so many of us want to be, like, special, and we want to be, you know, someone who did something amazing, like started a movement or, you know, was the first person to do this. And we're all so inspired by those people. We're all inspired by these types of people, but we don't connect that we're um, obsessively following other people that have done things before them instead of being the first people to make mm -hmm. change, if this makes sense. So yeah. I see like, you know, I'm sure one day that there are, there are like, I don't know what we're calling them. Are we calling them plus size dancers? Are we calling them like, what are we even saying? But I'm sure that they have a name or something. And um, people are really inspired by them. It, uh, like there's the, the pretty big movement is like a really fun um, hip, hip hop dance group. And they're all bigger girls who are like just pushing back against this, uh, stereotype of what they need to be yeah. yeah and you know they're at the beginning them doing that would have been really scary mm, but sure. you know it blew up and everyone is inspired by them and 
for me, like even just starting this podcast was really scary, but then lots of people started listening and were like, oh, I ha-, you know, how do you get the courage to speak about this? And it's like, someone has to do it first. If you want to be one of those people who creates change and who is at the forefront of a movement, you can't wait for someone else to do it. No, no, exactly. No, that's a very good point. You have to be, uh, like as Steph says, empowered and like you say, be inspired and you cannot be inspired if you're not healthy because you can't mm-hmm. think straight. So it all goes back to the health, True. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and being passionate about something that's important for you and not just doing something because, oh, someone else is doing something like that and whatever and whatever, just finding your own path. Of sure, I think one can take inspiration, like you say, from people doing things, uh, but that doesn't mean that you have to be a clone of that mm-hmm. and exactly copy that to have your own twist on it. No, absolutely. And I mean, I had this uh, recently, I had this very interesting experience with my Instagram account where all of a sudden I realized my, my tweets when I copied my tweets into Instagram, they would get a lot more likes than a nice, pretty dance photo. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay, okay. If that's the way to go, if that's what you need to hear at the moment, happy to provide, really, seriously. Um, but I mean, yeah, you have to be open and you, yeah. yeah try we, ne- we never stop learning. Mm, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so good. Okay, well, where can women, because there are definitely people in the dance community that are listening that are going to want to find where they can get even more connection with people who are speaking and understand exactly what they're going through. Where can people go and learn more about you guys and maybe even get support from you guys? Yes, both of us are in clinical practice. So um, uh, for me, uh, I've got a website, uh, nikkikfitness.com. And there's lots of information there uh, for to, if you want to see me from a clinical point of view and I put blogs and stuff that's going on. Um, and I also wrote a website um, for BASEM, British Association of Sports and Exercise Medicine, mm-hmm. called healthforperformance.co.uk, number four. Um, and that's got lots of information about REDS and, and things like this. So that's so those are two places um, to have a look. And of course, please look at our study. It's open access. I paid an arm and a leg, literally. Oh yeah, how do so I find it? it? So please. Shoot me the link, shoot me the link. I'll put it yeah, in the I'll show shoot you the link, so please. It, and that's why I was determined that it would be open access, even though it did cost an arm and a leg, because otherwise the only people that would see it would be crusty old doctors who think they know, you know, yeah. <laughs> already. So this is for, I mean, it is scientifically written, it's true, but listen, I'm sure that dancers are intelligent enough to, uh, get the facts and see the graphs and everything so anyway that's me but Steph I think you're you, you need to mention all your um places yeah. where people can find you um yeah but Nikki you're on Instagram as well um, oh, so you should, you I, should mention that. On, I have to admit I'm not as so great on the social stuff but listen I am also on Instagram and Twitter and even Facebook so you can find me there also um Nikki K Fitness it might just be the capital K rather than the K-E-A-Y easier to spell anyway something okay. along those lines um uh, but Steph I think people should definitely follow Oz dancers don't you think um yeah so um we've got a website um of course so that's www.ozdancersoc.com 
Um, and you find, yeah, also um, a blog, um, you find webinar series. So we've got a webinar series on reds for male and female dancers. I've got one for students moving overseas as well. Um, and um, you find a nutrition for dancers section there, which is a subscription section. Um, then I'm on mostly on Instagram, to be honest. Um, this is at Ostensus Overseas. Um, Facebook is the same. Twitter is Ostensus O. And um, wow, I guess that's about it. Yeah. So you can get hold of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. You're all around. Yeah. Right. And I think for both of us, Nikki, um, if you if you feel like um, well, I think I could do with some treatment or at least some sort of assessment and see, you know, do I need to be picked up somewhere or can I go from there? Um, so just shoot us an email. That is totally fine. And then we let you know the details. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool, guys. So there you go. Another option for people to work with. And I actually get a lot of people um, from the UK ask me, do I know practitioners in the uk so i've been starting to collect a couple of under my belt and i think that it's really helpful people girls just want to know where to go to work with and they're afraid right to like find um i um i mean i was seeing people face to face in my um here studio at home but i'm doing everything by zoom but anyway certainly i i run a clinic and i also do some joint clinics in the uk with rini mcgregor the clinical dietitian so cool so depending on what the person needs and wants, and I can also arrange some blood tests. I'm a CMO, Chief Medical Officer of Fourth Edge, so we can do fingerprint blood tests to find out what hormones are doing. So if you're in the UK, um, I'm very happy. Although I do I do, do Zoom with people all over the yeah. world, but um, specifically if you're in the UK and you want blood tests, then come to me. But of course, if you're more in Europe, um, then um, you know get in touch with uh with steph because steph can also uh provide very very similar so it really depends uh where where you live um i think yeah 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 absolutely thank you ladies so so much all of the links to those places i furiously wrote them all down they're going to be in the show notes i can't thank you enough for coming on and just sort of enlightening us all i think that was really really interesting i'm so excited about the study that you guys did i just that really pumps me up that there's a few studies now going on about um just i, I just feel like i just <laughs> feel like the bubble's gonna pop and like yeah some huge some yeah. huge person's gonna talk about it and we're ready we're yeah. ready for them we paved the way we we're the ground the exactly <laughs> so cool well thank you so much ladies i hope you have a really great evening day evening 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 i'm gonna go to my job now (laughs) okay the paper right now danny um uh, well thank you so much let me just do that while i'm thinking thank you so much for listening today guys please subscribe to the podcast and if you could head to itunes specifically and leave a rating or review that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with ha who are googling around to find their podcast really easily so if you do that you're doing a service to all of the women